So we like that idea of the pomander, that small ball holding fragrance that was personalized. And we feel like our technology is a way for you to discover your new personal fragrance and it holds the possibilities for you. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesoming's podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. Hey y'all, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Awesome Inc. Podcast. I'm sitting down with one of my, I think I can call you a coworker. We work for sister companies. Uh, Kelly Wright, who is a software developer with APAC Software here in town and is an entrepreneur. So we're gonna get to hear some of her story and uh, the product that she has built and some of her background and hear about why be in Kentucky of all places and grow something. So so Kelly, I'm uh, I'm honored you are a and you're an absolute animal on the slopes. We've been snowboarding and skiing out west. I, I know what you can do. You can hold your own. It's pretty impressive. And uh, I know that you are uh, very humble. So I'm hoping that you just, you brag on yourself and your accomplishments because you're really impressive. And uh, I'm just looking forward to getting to know you and what you do outside of of, uh, of Apex a bit more and just get to know some more of your story. So with that being said, tell all the lovely people who are going to be listening in um, a bit of your backgrounds. I know, obviously... Awesome and Q Bootcamp and software developer, but if you can dive into some of the some of the stories that led to where you are now, that would be a great foundation. Sure. Yeah. So, firstly, thanks for having me here. Um, I appreciate it. And like you said, I'm Kelly Wright, and the startup I'm working on is Pomander Tech. But prior to all of that, I started out my career as a chemist, and so for ten years, I was an analytical chemist. Um, so this is kind of like, uh, I worked at Lexmark and so it was a little bit of CSI for printers. So we weren't developing, you know, um, breakthrough drugs or anything like that, but it was, we were able to, in the analytical department, take printers apart and tell you what's in it and how much. So, um, started with that kind of background of analytical chemistry and that problem solving, you know, I love puzzles. And so that's where I enjoyed analytical chemistry was you'd get all the parts and then you had this puzzle and you got to solve it. Um, over time, the chemistry became less exciting because it became a little bit more routine. Uh, and I showed up for one of the first boot camp introductions and I wasn't really necessarily looking to go into software. Um, but Amanda put a computer in my lap and said, sign up. And I said, I don't, I don't know that I have any interest. And she said, we'll do it anyway. Um, so I did. And I signed up for the boot camp, not knowing that I wanted to go through it. And then part of the application process is they give you these figured out challenges. So they give you a little bit of information and let you loose. And it was this mixture of frustration and fascination. So... You know, I remember um, working on them and I would just get part of the way and I'd be like, this is so frustrating. I don't even want to do software. Like, why am I even bothering with this figured out challenge? And I'd go away and then 30 minutes later, I'd be like, you know, I've got this one more idea. I just need to see if this one more idea works. Uh, so that's really where I decided to get into software development was those figured out challenges applying for the boot camp. Those puzzles again, you know, that curiosity, that that learning. 
Um, so I went ahead and did the awesome boot camp and went from no coding experience. I had used a terminal before. Hey, that's, yeah. that's a start. That was a start. That's all I had, though. <laughs> <laughs> so um, went from nothing and through the boot camp came out as a software developer. Um, and I feel very blessed that I got to be one of the ones selected to work for APAC Software. And I'm coming up on, in December, six years with APAC Software. That's that's incredible. I, one of the things that has fascinated me, because I've sat down with a handful of also some of your, I think the very first boot camp, um, either instructors like Gary Deitch or some other fellow entrepreneurs and a, former APAC employees, uh, Jason Mize, and just just to hear some of the stories of, yeah, we we went through this experience together, and then here we are today, either teaching people how to code, or we've we've honed that skill set. Now we're building something of our own, which is so cool. One thing I would uh I'd like to know is so you talked about chemistry. What what uh I guess closed that gap from chemistry with with and working with Luxmark to the boot camp? You mentioned Amanda. How did how that relationship get built? And I think uh, it kind of going back to that, it was just a little bit of those figure it out challenges. So I knew that I wasn't as passionate about the chemistry aspect sure. anymore. Like I'd say, it became a little bit more repetitive, more redundant, which that's where I kind of lose interest. Um, and so I'd been looking for that next thing. I looked all across the board at all kinds of different things, event planning, you know, whatever. Yeah, change um, it up something where you can solve problems and create something. Uh, and, and it was that, that sitting down and getting that opportunity and then doing those figured out challenges that showed me that software is something beyond just sitting in front of a computer and typing all day. Absolutely. That's, that's super cool. So you've, you mentioned uh, coming up on six years with Apex. What has, what has a decade's worth of experience as a chemist look like compared to Again, the the six years as a software developer. Yeah, I think that you don't have as much redundancy with software development. You can go into a niche and just dive deep into it and do the same thing every time. But the reality is to succeed as a software developer, you have to always grow and learn and pick up new techniques and new technologies. Um, so there's, there's never going to be that end of being able to take big leaps. Um, and I like to learn things and I like to learn things, um, a breadth of things. And so I think software development gives you that. It gives you that opportunity to always be learning something new, dive into new technologies and grow. So speaking of being flexible and learning, you went from not just being a software developer, but also being a software developer with your own company. So what pushed you to actually want to start your own company and not just continue to focus on software development? I think part of it. And so what I'm developing is Pomander Tech. It's a fragrance sampling kiosk. And part of the drive is that salespeople make me uncomfortable. Really? <laughs> um, going into a store, even now. So I've been working on this fragrance sampling kiosk for a little while. And even now when I'm going in to do market research, if I go into a Sephora or an Ulta, and I just want to kind of take myself through that experience, it still makes me nervous. Mm. Like even knowing that I'm in this field and I'm trying to do it to learn more about it, it still makes me nervous to have that salesperson come and just focus on me and take me through things and know that there's that expectation that I'm going to buy something at the end. Um, so I don't like that experience. Um, 
And what the fragrance sampling kiosk, what Pomander Tech is doing is providing an alternative. And our goal for the consumer is to help them guide their own fragrance journey. And so instead of going in and interacting with the pushy salesperson, they can go to stores that they might use other times. So we're aiming for the Walmarts, the CVSs of the worlds. Um, we're also looking at like spas and sporting goods stores because you don't have to go somewhere specific to learn about fragrances with this kiosk. You can go where you normally shop. Uh, and the way it'll happen is you'll come up to the kiosk, you'll do a quiz on the touchscreen interface. It gives you recommendations based on the quiz. And then from there you can sample it and it'll give you a card with the product information, a QR code and the fragrance itself. So you can see if that fragrance is right for you. And so that takes that away. There's not that pressure. Suddenly you're in charge of learning about fragrances and finding the next fragrance that's right for you. That's cool. I have a couple off the cuff questions if you're okay yeah. with it. So would you call yourself a fragrance connoisseur? No, not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was um, a silly one, but yeah, no. That. And there's a lot of people in the industry that they have a nose for it okay. and they can smell a fragrance and list out all of the components. They call them notes, the things okay. you can smell. I can't do that. I like them. You just, you like what smells good. I, yeah, I'm the but same I, way. You know, I'm not, I'm gaining expertise in the field, but I wasn't an expert in the field to begin with. Gotcha. That, that's cool. It was kind of silly, but I, I was just curious. Uh, but one thing I did want to ask is another, another uh, impromptu question. And then uh, following up with what you just shared, what would you say is the best fragrance that you've come across? Chanel number five. That's, that's the only <laughs> one I know. Uh, there's a lot. There's, um, what I find interesting sometimes is there are little uh, niche um, fragrance conferences okay. that are for some of the smaller companies. And that's what resonates with me sometimes is getting to talk to the perfumer that created the fragrance and hearing that story behind it and making that connection. And so sometimes that makes it more personal for me. Um, the conference I was just at a few weeks ago, I met a lady from Korea that had developed a fragrance wow. um, for Megan Logan. And it was really neat because I got to talk to her, hear her story. She shared the fragrance and she gave me, you know, a sample of it. And so right now that's, that's one of my top ones, that's but cool. it, it just depends. And sometimes it's that personal connection. It's that story behind it that really resonates. That's interesting. I, I, I'd be curious to hear how many other people, because again, people in the, the general sense, we have a lot of similar traits that you enjoyed the interaction with the fragrance developer, but the salespeople who might sell it, you're like, eh, I'm not as, I'm not as drawn to you. So I wonder how many people uh, feel that same way. Um, last question though, is going to go back to chemistry. Have you found anything as you're growing in this field that, that impacts maybe how somebody's body, actual chemistry, body chemistry interacts with certain colognes or fragrances. Um, yeah. Any insight there that you can share? Yeah. Body chemistry absolutely plays a role. Um, one of the times that I was going out and being uncomfortable in a store, I, um, I came through and worked with the salesperson and I'd found two fragrances. And so I was down to these two fragrances and I really liked both of them. And so the next logical step is to try it on my wrist. And so two fragrances, two wrists, put one on each one. 
and I smelled them both. The one I could not get out of the store fast enough and wash it off of me quickly enough. Wow. So again, you know, I liked both of them, you know, smelled them on paper, smelled them on the card, and I liked both of them. And on my body, one of them, I just couldn't Did, stand. That's yeah. so fascinating. I, I would like to, like, if Mythbusters way back when ever would have done an in-depth study or something, that would have been a cool... I, I would watch a documentary on that. Yeah. I think that's, it's, it's one of those things that's so fascinating. It's, it's micro and you can't see it, but... Um, yeah, there are times I've, I've had cologne, especially in high school, figuring stuff, you know, you're figuring out being an adult and all that, which is not really an adult. Um, but my mom one time bought me Nautica Voyage. It's like $30, $35 cologne, not you know, knocking the price, but I've had that compared to maybe something that's a hundred bucks. And it's a vast difference of what smells good and what doesn't. It's like you are wearing lighter fluid, <laughs> you know, get it <laughs> off or, Hey, that smells really nice. So I've, I've experienced that myself. Something I, uh, I did a little research, but I'd love to hear from, from you, the expert, where did the name Permander come from? I hadn't, I don't think I've heard of that prior to seeing that as, as your company's name. Yeah. And a little bit of backstory. We started out as Fresh Eyes Solutions okay. because we wanted to come to existing industries with a new perspective instead of name. Fresh Eyes. Great name. But that wasn't resonating. And so that's one of the things that I've really learned and taken into account is you always have to learn from the feedback you're getting. Now, not all feedback is good. But when you're hearing the same things again and again, and when you're getting a really visceral response to something, sometimes you need to grow and adapt. And so that's one of those is people were, um, we had some people who would be pretty upset that it was fresh eyes and it had to deal with the nose. So we kind of went on the journey of looking for who we wanted to be and defining us. And we landed on Pomander Tech. And a Pomander is a round ball. They used them in the Middle Ages. Okay. And they would contain fragrant materials. So they might put cinnamon sticks in their woods, flowers, and they would use it and hold it on their person, usually the upper echelons. But they would have it on their person to promote good health, to ward off evil spirits, and to help with the stink of the Middle Ages. Sure, that's fair. Um, so we like that idea of the pomander, that small ball holding fragrance that was personalized. And we feel like our technology is a way for you to discover your new personal fragrance, and it holds the possibilities for you. That was a great tagline. I'm, I'm, I'll put that at the very beginning of this episode. That was great. Are you also a history, uh, history buff, or how did you come across pomander? That's that's really fascinating. Yeah, it was it was just kind of looking into the history of of fragrance and looking for something that was unique enough that could stand out a little bit. Um, also, from a technology standpoint, you have to look at URL space and um, you know handles on social media. So considering those things and trying to find something that's unique and stands out, but also tells that story. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So you talked a little bit about your company, what it's doing. Again, it's it's a kiosk that really is acting as the middleman. So maybe instead of dealing with a human being, you say, hey, I know I like these three things, you know, punch them in, you get that personalized fragrance. And uh, you said it was a, it's a product card. Is it, is it a QR a card. code? Or it's, is, okay. Uh -huh. Yeah, there's a card. So a physical card, we're looking at somewhere between business card size and index card size will come out and has the product information. So it'll have the name of it, the name of the company. And then the QR code is so you may not want to buy it right away. Mm -hmm. You might want to take it and think about it, or you might want to share it with your significant other to see if Birthday, they just Christmas, hate it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Okay. So you, it lets you take it home and think about it if you're not ready for that immediate purchase. And then with the QR code, you can scan it and purchase it and send it to your house anytime. Very, very cool. 
Kelly, what was the entrance into this market? Again, you've, you've mentioned working with salespeople in the past and not preferring that route. Why, why the fragrance industry of all things? And I think it's a little bit of that experience, but it's also the fact that because I am this kind of nerdy scientist, I can solve some of these problems. And so it's seeing a problem and having the ability to solve it is where it comes into play. When did you realize that other people had the same need or want that you that you felt? I mean, there's other introverts in the world that are scared of salespeople. Hey, that's fair. Yeah. Something that we often talk about in the entrepreneur space is the physical proximity of where you are. Again, we're here in Lexington, Kentucky. I know we both love the city. We, we've been here for a number of years now. Why, uh, why did you start a company in Kentucky versus move to another state or another area where they might have a, a larger market for startups or they might have more access to capital? So some of it's family. I grew up here in Kentucky. Um, but the thing that I really see and this is, you know, everybody talks about the downfalls of COVID. This is one of the good things about COVID. The whole world is more connected now than it was three years ago. You don't have to live in any specific location. So why not live somewhere nice like Kentucky? You know, the cost of living's good. It's close to airports. It's close to availability. This community here is extremely supportive for uh, entrepreneurs and I like that. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big plus. One thing, uh, this is off the cuff as well. One thing I love about Kentucky, there's so much more green. I forget <laughs> that. And then when I go travel, I think, wow, there's just cities and so much of not nature, <laughs> just to, to put it. Um, one, one of the questions, actually, I really, I don't think I asked you this. So again, it sounds like you've, you've done a lot of research. You've been pouring a lot of time into Pomander. How does Pomander make money? Is it through a service? Is it restocking kiosks? Is it striking deals with these companies? Can you speak into that? Yeah. Um, there's There can be a lot of confusion around this, but to be really straight and clear, the fragrance industry is our customer. Okay. Nobody else. No one else. No one else. We are trying to work with other people. So we're trying to appeal to the consumer and they're our customer in that they use it, but they're not going to pay for it. And retailers will not pay for it. Okay. They don't pay for promotional marketing materials. So those are not our customers. Fragrance com companies are our customers. Um, we are not trying to sell them the kiosk because the hardware is not really what they need. It's just the method that gets them connected to the customers better. And so that's the value for the fragrance industry. We are connecting them to the consumer at that point of sale. Uh, and then where we are going to make our money is point of sale advertising. So um, there's some companies like Freeosk that drop out free solid samples. So like Tide Pods and things like that. And they'll show, you know, 400 times increase in sales by having those free samples there and by being that point of sale advertising. So that kind of splash that draws your attention and reminds you of the products you might not think of otherwise. So we're looking at that point of sale advertising connect the customer, mm -hmm. increase sales that way. And then on the back end, we are monitoring how the consumer engages with the kiosk. So not 
a person specific, you know, their name and address and everything else, but what they're looking at. Are they interested in the florals right now? Um, you know, you're seeing some resurgent of rose fragrances. So where are people looking? And that can be regional as well. So it might be that people in Florida are looking at something different than they are in, you know, Spain or different places. And so looking at those trends before they actually come to market. And that'll help the fragrance companies with that user data analytics. It'll help them develop the fragrances that are going to be the next big trendsetter. Very cool. Wow, that's <laughs> over my head. One, uh, one question kind of goes back to what I was asking earlier. Is there a specific fragrance company or a line that you would like to have access to and and be a supplier of with these kiosks? Yeah. So my hope here, um, I've got a couple smaller fragrance companies, um, more of the, the independents that I'm going to work with on the initial phases of rolling out the prototype and getting them out there and showing that return on investment for the fragrance companies. But moving on from there, my long-term goal is to integrate with the fragrance conglomerates. Um, you know, the L'Oreal's, the LVMH's, Cody's, Estee Lauder's, um, all those big guys own 15 or 20 fragrance companies. And man, we could really help them drive sales for those companies and showcase some. Um, and that would just be the better path to market as far as integrating with them. Very cool. Well, last, uh, last two questions, um, following suit of what you just said, is, uh, is there a specific goal or partnership you'd like to have one year from now? I think my biggest goal from, for a year from now is one to have gotten some kiosks out there with some of those smaller fragrance partners that I've mentioned mm -hmm. and really show that return on investment. And then um, some of the bigger fragrance companies do have um, calls for technology. So they have open innovation calls where they're seeking new technologies. And so I would love to integrate with one of them as a technology partner and showcase um, some of what we can do. Very cool. And Kelly, uh, last, uh, last question, then we'll, we'll sign off here. A lot of people in Kentucky might think, hey, I want to start a company or I have some entrepreneurial aspiration. Is there any advice you would give to someone who is listening that hasn't made that jump or they also have a full-time job and then want to figure out how to do something? Yeah, it's always a challenge to find the time. Um, but if you think it's a good idea and it resonates with you, what you can start doing is drawing some really ugly rough pictures. So particularly if it's technology, people, a lot of people think that you have to just dive in and pay somebody to develop it for you. You don't. Draw something really ugly and start showing it to people who have a similar mind. So show it to your friends, show it to your family, and see if it resonates with other people as well. Uh, and so I think that's really a good starting point is get the things that are in your head out onto paper and start testing it to see if it, there really is a market for it. That's great. And Kelly, last, uh, last question. How can people find Pomander Tech? How can they support you and get around these kiosks? Yeah, we're still in the prototyping phase, but we are online at pomandertech.com. We've got a few um, social media, Pomander Tech or Pomander Tech Inc. And uh, anybody can feel free to contact me. It's Kelly at Pomander Tech, P-O-M-A-N-D-E-R, tech.com. Um, and I'm always happy to connect. Awesome. Well, Kelly, thanks for the time. Thanks for sharing your story. And everybody, be on the lookout because these kiosks, they're coming quickly. <laughs> Thank you.
Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesomings Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in this show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.